Greetings, friends. Today is March 12th, and welcome to the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast. My name is David McAdam, and it is a delight to be reading the scriptures with you today and serving as your tour guide as we spend a few moments reading from the One Year Bible daily portions from the Old and New Testaments, the Book of Psalms, and the Book of Proverbs. We will be pointing out highlights that you won't want to miss and to help you see how the Bible fits together as a unified whole, the unfolding story of God's plan to redeem lost sinners, turn rebels into worshipers, and restore His creation to its pristine beauty. March 12th is a special day for me, as it was on this day many years ago that I first heard the gospel with understanding and put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I experienced what Jesus described as the new birth, For the first time I understood that when Jesus of Nazareth was crucified, he was doing it for me. I realized that according to God's holy law, I had sinned against my Creator. I had broken his commandments. I should have been treated to that death on the cross. It was as if I heard Jesus saying to me, I'm doing this for you. I am taking your place here. It is your sin that I am bearing. It is your debt that I am paying. It is your curse that I am suffering. It is your death that I am dying and I realized that it was necessary that I own this fact. This same Jesus who died on the cross rose from the dead as he and the scriptures predicted. Therefore, by a miracle of God's grace, I believed, trusting Jesus to be my Lord, my Savior, my substitute in life and death, the forgiver of my sins and my sovereign King. Jesus said to a top religious scholar of his day, a man named Nicodemus, that unless you are born from above by the Holy Spirit and given a new life, with new ears to hear and new eyes to see, you cannot perceive or enter into the kingdom of God. It is my prayer that all who listen to this podcast would have ears to hear and eyes to see the glory of who God is and what He has done in the person of His Son. Many of my friends thought that my conversion was just a phase, just a temporary excursion into Christianity. But I want you to know that the anchor that was cast many years ago still holds. I can say that every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. The road has not always been easy, but God has proved to be faithful to His promise, and the greatest joy of my life, bar none, is knowing Christ and making Him known. And my wife and family members would agree, as they share this joy also. So I'm excited that we have another day with Jesus and another day today to make fresh discoveries in His Word. Let's begin today's excursion in our one-year Bible tour with our Old Testament reading from the book of Numbers, chapter 16, verse 41, and I will be reading from the English Standard Version. But on the next day, all the congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and against Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. And when the congregation had assembled against Moses and against Aaron, they turned toward the tent of meeting, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came to the front of the tent of meeting. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from the midst of this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. And Moses said to Aaron, Take your censer and put fire on it from off the altar, and lay incense on it, and carry it quickly to the congregation, and make atonement for them, for wrath has gone out from the Lord, the plague has begun." So Aaron took it, as Moses said, and ran into the midst of the assembly. And behold, the plague had already begun among the people. And he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stopped. 
Now those who died in the plague were 14,700, besides those who died in the affair of Korah. And Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance of the tent of meeting when the plague was stopped. Chapter 17 Aaron's Staff Buds The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, and get from them staffs, one for each father's house, from all their chiefs according to their father's houses, twelve staffs. Write each man's name on his staff, and write Aaron's name on the staff of Levi. For there shall be one staff for the head of each father's house. Then you shall deposit them in the tent of meeting before the testimony, where I meet with you. And the staff of the man whom I choose shall sprout. Thus I will make to cease from me the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against you. Moses spoke to the people of Israel, And all their chiefs gave him staffs, one for each chief, according to their father's houses, twelve staffs. And the staff of Aaron was among their staffs. And Moses deposited the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the testimony. On the next day Moses went into the tent of the testimony, and behold, the staff of Aaron for the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds, and produced blossoms, and it bore ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the staffs from before the Lord to all the people of Israel, and they looked, and each man took his staff. And the Lord said to Moses, Put back the staff of Aaron before the testimony, to be kept as a sign for the rebels, that you may make an end of their grumblings against me, lest they die. Thus did Moses, as the Lord commanded him, so he did. And the people of Israel said to Moses, Behold, we perish, we are undone, we are all undone. Everyone who comes near, who comes near to the tabernacle of the Lord, shall die. Are we all to perish? Chapter 18 Duties of the Priests and Levites So the Lord said to Aaron, You and your sons and your father's house with you shall bear iniquity connected with the sanctuary, and you and your sons with you shall bear iniquity connected with your priesthood. And with you bring your brothers also, the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, that they may join you and minister to you while you and your sons with you are before the tent of the testimony. They shall keep guard over you and over the whole tent, but shall not come near to the vessels of the sanctuary or to the altar, lest they and you die. They shall join you and keep guard over the tent of meeting for all the service of the tent, and no outsider shall come near you. And you shall keep guard over the sanctuary and over the altar, that there may never again be wrath on the people of Israel. And behold, I have taken your brothers, the Levites, from among the people of Israel. They are a gift to you, given to the Lord, to do the service of the tent of meeting. And you and your sons with you shall guard your priesthood for all that concerns the altar and that is within the veil, and you shall serve. I give your priesthood as a gift and any outsider who comes near shall be put to death. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron, Behold, I have given you charge of the contributions made to me, all the consecrated things of the people of Israel. I have given them to you as a portion and to your sons as a perpetual due. This shall be yours of the most holy things, reserved from the fire, every offering of theirs, every grain offering of theirs, and every sin offering of theirs, and every guilt offering of theirs, which they render to me, shall be most holy to you and to your sons. In a most holy place shall you eat it. 
every male may eat it. It is holy to you. This also is yours, the contribution of their gift, all the wave offerings of the people of Israel. I have given them to you and to your sons and daughters with you as a perpetual due. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. All the best of the oil and all the best of the wine and of the grain, the first fruits of what they give to the Lord, I give to you. The first ripe fruits of all that is in their land, which they bring to the Lord, shall be yours. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. Every devoted thing in Israel shall be yours. Everything that opens the womb of all flesh, whether man or beast, which they offer to the Lord, shall be yours. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man you shall redeem, and the firstborn of unclean animals you shall redeem. And their redemption price, at a month old you shall redeem them. You shall fix at five shekels in silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, which is twenty geras. But the firstborn of a cow, or the firstborn of a sheep, or the firstborn of a goat, you shall not redeem, they are holy. You shall sprinkle their blood on the altar, and shall burn their fat as a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But their flesh shall be yours, as the breast that is waved, and as the right thigh are yours. All the holy contributions that the people of Israel present to the Lord I give to you, and to your sons and daughters with you, as a perpetual due. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord, for you and for your offspring with you. And the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land, neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. To the Levites I have given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance, in return for their service that they do, their service in the tent of meeting, so that the people of Israel do not come near the tent of meeting, lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall do the service of the tent of meeting, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations, and among the people of Israel they shall have no inheritance. For the tithe of the people of Israel, which they present as a contribution to the Lord, I have given to the Levites for an inheritance. Therefore I have said of them that they shall have no inheritance among the people of Israel. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Moreover, you shall speak and say to the Levites, When you take from the people of Israel the tithe that I have given you from them for your inheritance, then you shall present a contribution from it to the Lord, a tithe of the tithe. And your contribution shall be counted to you as though it were the grain of the threshing floor, and as the fullness of the winepress. So you shall also present a contribution to the Lord from all your tithes which you receive from the people of Israel. And from it you shall give the Lord's contribution to Aaron the priest. Out of all the gifts to you, you shall present every contribution due to the Lord, from each its best part is to be dedicated. Therefore you shall say to them, When you have offered from it the best of it, then the rest shall be counted to the Levites as produce of the threshing floor and as produce of the winepress. And you shall eat it in any place, you and your households, for it is your reward in return for your service in the tent of meeting, and you shall bear no sin by reason of it when you have contributed the best of it. But you shall not profane the holy things of the people of Israel, lest you die. This concludes today's reading from the book of Numbers. So once again we find the children of Israel grumbling against Moses and Aaron. As powerful a demonstration of God's judgment upon the sons of Korah had been, 
the Israelites failed to see the deaths of the conspirators as actually being caused by God. They held Moses and Aaron to blame. This continued rebellion against Moses incurred God's wrath and a judgment worthy of death. The Lord tells Moses and Aaron to stand aside so that he might consume the rebels instantly. The possibility of imminent judgment falling upon the Israelites for their rebellion causes Moses and Aaron to practice what they have learned about intercession. They recognize that God's wrath against sin would incur a plague that could only be removed through the intercession of Aaron the high priest. He was to take the fire from the altar and put it in his censer with the offering of incense upon it as a memorial of the perfect intercession of the greater high priest, Jesus Christ. Aaron's actions symbolize atonement being made on behalf of the people. In this instance, the wrath of God against sin is seen in the punishment of a plague. 14,700 are killed. Aaron runs into the midst of the assembly, offers incense, and makes atonement for them. He stands between the living and the dead as God's appointed mediator. The plague is stopped, but much damage has been done in Numbers chapter 16, verses 47 to 50. To validate God's appointment of Aaron and his descendants as priests, a second sign was given. The previous sign was that the brazen censers of the sons of Korah were hammered into a covering for the altar as a reminder that none but the sons of Aaron were to burn incense before the Lord in Numbers 16, verse 40. The second sign was the miraculous budding of Aaron's rod. The staff from the twelve tribes were put before the Lord in the tent of meeting. God would vindicate the rightful appointment of Aaron as the high priest by causing his staff to bud afresh with resurrection life. On the following day, the staff of Aaron, representing the house of Levi, had miraculously budded and produced almonds. No longer were the children of Israel to question the appointment of Aaron as high priest and his unique God-given high priestly authority. Aaron's rod was kept in the sanctuary and ultimately in the Ark of the Covenant as a symbol of God's authority demonstrated by the resurrection and the life. Hebrews 9, 4 and John's Gospel chapter 11, verse 25. God's appointment of His high priest is manifested with the gracious gifts of resurrection, life, and fruitfulness. This reminds us how the resurrection of Jesus Christ vindicates His appointment as the rightful judge of all human beings. Acts chapter 17, verse 30 confirms this. When Paul preached, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. In Numbers chapter 18, Aaron and his sons are to bear iniquity connected with the sanctuary. This means that they were being held responsible for any neglect or failure to uphold the laws of the sanctuary and enact their sacred duties. They made a covenant of salt in verse 19, which was inviolable and permanent. Salt is a preservative, and this covenant was to be preserved. The previous judgments of God upon violations of the sanctuary laws demonstrated the importance of divinely appointed mediation between God and Israel, foreshadowing the only divinely appointed mediator, Jesus Christ. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. Numbers chapter 18 summarizes the duties and privileges of the priesthood. In Numbers 18, verse 7 we read, I am giving you the service of the priesthood as a gift. 
This verse reminds us that the intercession of Christ is a gift, and that it is a gift to serve the Lord. And the ministries of our brothers and sisters, members of the new royal priesthood in Christ, are a gift to us today. What a gift it is to be members of the royal priesthood of our King, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we could be thankful for the gift of His priesthood. Behold, I myself have taken your fellow Levites from among the sons of Israel. They are a gift to you, dedicated to the Lord, to perform the service for the tent of meeting. Numbers chapter 18, verse 6. Now let's go to the New Testament reading, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 to 20. We go from the vindicating sign of the rod of Aaron that budded with resurrection life, to the vindication of our Lord and Savior in His resurrection from the dead on that Resurrection Sunday, beginning with verse 1 of Mark chapter 16. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint Him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us? from the entrance of the tomb. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified? He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After these things he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country, and they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Afterward he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison it will not hurt them, they will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. A little footnote here. Some manuscripts end the book with verse 8. Others include verses 9 to 20, immediately after verse 8. At least one manuscript inserts additional material after verse 14. Some manuscripts include after verse 8 the following, but they reported briefly to Peter and to those with him all that they had been told, and after this 
Jesus sent out by means of them from east to west the sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. These manuscripts then continue with verses 9 to 20. We read the angel's report that you will see him just as he told you in Mark 16, verse 7. The angel, a messenger from God, reminds Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, as they discover that the tomb in which Jesus has been buried is now empty, that every word of Jesus is reliable. He will do all that he has said. He previously told his disciples that he would be killed and rise on the third day. In Mark chapter 9, verses 9 to 10, verse 31, Mark chapter 10, verse 34. And now he has risen, just as he said. Despite Jesus telling them that he would rise on the third day, no one believed him. The angel notes this, and when the resurrected Jesus appears to his disciples, Jesus lovingly rebukes them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Jesus first appears to Mary Magdalene in Mark 16, verse 9, and Matthew chapter 28, verse 9, and John chapter 20, verses 14 to 17. She tells the disciples that Jesus is alive, but they refuse to believe her. Eventually, Jesus appears to the disciples on the road to Emmaus in Mark 16, verse 12, and Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, verses 13 to 35, and then to the eleven in Mark 16, verses 14 to 18, Luke 24, verses 36 to 48, and John, chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. Jesus gives both the Great Commission and predictions of what will happen as the disciple is preached throughout the entire world in Mark 16, verses 15 to 18. Tim Keller writes in his book, King's Cross, quote, Jesus had risen just as he had told them he would. After a criminal does his time in jail and fully satisfies the sentence, the law has no more claim on him and he walks out free. Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty for our sins. That was an infinite sentence, but he must have satisfied it fully because on Easter Sunday he walked out free. The resurrection was God's way of stamping paid in full right across history so that nobody could miss it, End quote. And now our reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 55, verses 1 to 23. Cast your burden on the Lord, to the choirmaster, with stringed instruments, a maskil of David. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint, and I moan, because of the noise of the enemy because of the oppression of the wicked. For they drop trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, Oh, that I had wings like a dove! I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter, from the raging wind and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst, oppression and fraud. Do not depart from its marketplace. For it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolent with me, then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together. Within God's house we walked in the throng. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive, for evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. 
evening and morning and at noon I utter my complaint and moan, and He hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage. For many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them, He who is enthroned from of old, because they do not change and do not fear God. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. Notice in verse 22, Cast your cares on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. The psalmist expresses that he is carrying the heavy burden of having been betrayed by a close friend. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were raising himself against me, I could hide from him. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship as we walked with the throng at the house of God. God hears our prayer when we call out to Him. He is on the throne. He has suffered betrayal, and therefore He understands our hurt. Hurts are inevitable in life. God promises to sustain us as we suffer them. Paul writes in his letter to the Corinthians, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8-9. to Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16-18 through 18. And now our reading from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 7. When the wicked dies, his hope will perish, and the expectation of wealth perishes too. The NIV translation says, All he expected from his power comes to nothing. Where do you place your hope for the future? in riches that you cannot take with you when you die? All other hopes will eventually be revealed for what they are, hopes that perish. Christ alone is our living hope. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Let's pray. Gracious God, your ways are higher than ours. We pray that we will contemplate your sovereign goodness. You know all things, and you do all things well. May we never second-guess your wise provision of a perfect high priest who offered a perfect once-and-for-all sacrifice to atone for our sin. May we never grumble about your appointments. You have given us a sure sign of the supremacy of your ways when you raised Jesus from the dead. What a rebuke to unbelieving hearts. In the finished work victory of Christ, sin has been paid for, Satan defeated, death has been conquered, the guilty have been acquitted and pronounced righteous. 
with the righteousness of our Savior imputed to our account. Hallelujah. Help us to see the big picture, especially as we encounter trials and betrayals. We want to keep our eyes on our all-sufficient Savior. In His name we ask this. Amen. Thank you for joining with us on our Bible reading today. I trust that the meditation of your heart will be acceptable to the Lord and filling you with joy. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like a written copy of today's commentary, you can subscribe at our website, newlife.org. God bless you and have a great day. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it.